Hi everybody, my name is Jasmine Nicole and I am your host of Seasoned Crime, where we tell you a story about a minority. We're going to go ahead and jump right on into it. Today's story is one that has been covered on many podcasts and crime shows before. I think it's important for me to still do this episode because to this day there has been no resolution as to what happened. Repeating stories like this one is a reminder for those who have heard about it not to forget about the story. And also it can reach someone new who wasn't aware and could possibly help provide unknown information. Today, we are talking about the disappearance of Asha Degree. Asha is a nine-year-old girl from Shelby, North Carolina. She lives at home with her parents, Aquila and Harold, and her older brother, O'Brien. Her parents were very sheltered of the children. Most of the time spent away from the home was either at school or at church. There wasn't a computer in the home because Aquila, Asha's mom, she had heard so many stories of predators communicating with minors through the computers. She was not having that energy into her home. She didn't want to invite it in. She didn't want anything to do with it. I will just add on a personal note. If you had the pleasure of being around in the late 90s, you know, mid to late 90s, you know that AOL and dial up, that was the end thing. That was what everyone was doing. I know me personally, I look forward to coming home and being able to get online. Y'all know about dial up. You got to wait for that sound. But anyways, you get to get online and you get to chat with your friends. Um, But according to Aquila, it didn't seem to bother Asha that she wasn't, you know, that she didn't have a computer in the home. Or at least she never gave off any feelings that it bothered her. On Sunday, February 13th, 2000, Asha started off her day by going to church with her brother. Her aunt and her grandma lived right across the street from their home, so after church, they went over to their house for lunch. After lunch, Asha and O'Brien made their way back to the home where they remained for the evening. There was a storm coming, so it was a gloomy night in for the Degree family. Aquila insists that Asha was her normal, vibrant self that evening, and she showed absolutely no signs of there being any kind of problem. She was extremely excited that her grandmother had given her some Valentine's Day candy, and all seemed really well. Outside, however, it wasn't as nice because there was an upcoming storm. The weather conditions did play a part in a car accident where a vehicle ran into the transformer in the neighborhood, so it actually caused a power outage that evening. During the outage, their normal bedtime routine was interrupted, so Aquila decided that the kids would just get up a little bit earlier in the morning and they would take their bath then. So it was no issue. It was no problem. The kids went ahead and went to bed around 8 p.m. And she just said, you know, I'll wake you guys up a little bit earlier in the morning and you can take your bath then. With the kids sound asleep, Harold decided to make a store run. And about 1130, he decided to go pick up a last minute gift for Aquila because the next day was actually their wedding anniversary. Harold said he peeked in on the kids before he left and everything was normal. The kids were in their bed. Nothing was undisturbed. Harold said he got home about 12.30. The power to the home had been restored at that time. He checked in on the kids one more time on his way to bed about 2.30 a.m. And again, everything looked fine. Both kids were in their bed. Everything looked normal. About 5.45 a.m. on February 14th, Aquila wakes up to get her day started. It was real easy for her to get up this morning because it was her wedding anniversary. It's Valentine's Day. It's her wedding anniversary. So, you know, like when you have something fun that day and something planned that's something exciting, you know, you don't mind that the alarm goes off extra early because you're ready to get up and get your day going anyway. So she was excited to wake up. 
she immediately goes and draws a bath for the kids since they weren't able to take one the night before because of the power outage. So she goes ahead, she runs a bath for them. She gets everything together, you know, for bath and they're good to go. So she goes in the room to wake them up. And that's when she notices that Asha isn't in her bed. Aquila thinks this is extremely weird, but she's not really too worried yet. I mean, think about it. So the thought of someone going missing from their bed in their home, like that, that doesn't even sound right. So she wasn't even thinking like that. Like she thought the sound of it was crazy. So Asha had to be around here somewhere. Maybe Asha was outside. She really liked hanging out in the yard. So I don't know, maybe for whatever reason, she woke up early and she decided to go out and play. It doesn't really make much sense, but it still makes a whole lot more sense that she's gone missing from her own bed. So Aquila goes outside, looks around the yard and calls Asha's name. Nothing. Again, she's looked around the house, called Asha's name. Nothing. So at this point, she goes and wakes up Harold and she tells Harold, hey, Asha's gone. She's missing. I can't find her. So Harold thinks, just like Aquila did at first, that this is, you know, this is some kind of trick or he's got to be around here somewhere. So he also now he's out of bed. He's looking for her as well. And they still can't find her. So remember, I had mentioned that she had family that lived across the street. So Harold thinks, well, maybe for whatever reason, she woke up and she decided to go to our family's house. So... They call the family members and they ask the family, hey, did Asha come over in the morning? You know, we can't find her. She's not here um, in the house. We've looked in the house. We've looked outside of the house. We don't know where she's at. And the family members say, no, they haven't seen or heard from Asha. It was at this point where both parents knew that something was terribly wrong. The very next thing they did was call the police and they advised of their missing child. The first cops showed up about 6.40 a.m. This was a really small town, so word of the missing little girl spread fast. And within about 20 to 30 minutes, most of the cops in the county had arrived. The news outlets got a hold of their missing child information, along with Osh's pastor and other local clergymen, and they all made their way to the degree home. Family and friends also, you know, the news started traveling. Family and friends heard it, and so they ended up coming to the home to try to help search and see if they could do anything. As expected, the cops searched the home to see if there was anything that they could find to give any indication as to what could have happened here. With the search of the home, one of the things that was extremely noticeable is that there was no sign of any kind of forced entry. The window in the room was open, but there was nothing to show that it had been tampered with from the outside in. When investigating the room, it was also noticed that a backpack and some of Asha's favorite clothes were missing. With this information, they determined that Asha packed a backpack with her clothes and she went out of the window on her own. So they checked with O'Brien to see if he had heard anything because again, he is also asleep in the same bedroom right across the room. So they asked him, hey, you know, did you hear anything? Your sister just walked out of the room. Did you hear this? O'Brien says no. He said, well, actually he did hear something, but the way he was sleeping, his back was to Asha. So... He wasn't facing her, and so what he heard, it wasn't even enough to get him to turn around. In his head, maybe Asha was just being restless, or maybe she had gotten up to go get a glass of water or go to the restroom or something. He doesn't know, but it wasn't enough for him to really wake up and look to figure out what was going on. This news was huge in this small town. 
News stations had this story running on every broadcast asking for anyone who had any information at all to make sure to call it in. The TV report did help provide some additional information, but this information just added even more mystery to the story. Two separate motorists advised that they believed that they did see someone matching Osher's description walking along Highway 18 between 3.45 and 4.15 a.m. The first person was a truck driver who said he saw a little girl walking along the highway wearing a white shirt and pants. Now, he didn't stop or call it in, but he said it did stick out to him because she looked too young to be out alone at that time, especially with the weather the way it was. Remember, there was a storm coming, the weather was bad, so it stuck out in his head enough to remember that he saw it, but that was about it. The second sighting came from a motorist who not only saw who he believed to be Asha, but he said he did try to help her. He said he went past her the first time and it just it just didn't sit right with him. You know, again, this is a little girl walking along the highway. Something's not right. So he says he actually drives by about three times to just to see like what's going on. On that third time around, he does slow down next to her and he rolls down his window and he yells out, you know, hey, do you need any help? But he says as soon as Asha heard him, she turned and ran into the wooded area along the highway. And after that, he never saw her again. Oddly, neither one of these motorists decided to call the police. You know, again, this is a sighting of on a highway on a night where it's about to rain. The weather's bad. Like all of this just seems like an issue. But none of them called, neither of them called the police. But the county sheriff did confirm that both sightings were of Asha based on the descriptions given the clothes she was wearing, and the fact that they were both driving the same direction at the time of their sightings. That day, a search of about five miles from where she was last seen was done. However, they came up with nothing. A long and horrific night passed with no other sightings of Asha. The next day, on February 15th, searching in the area continued. A property owner near where Asha was last seen was looking through her shed and discovered that there was something that wasn't there before. The items found included a 1996 Olympic pencil, a green marker, candy wrapper, a Mickey Mouse hair bow, and next to these items, there was also a picture of a young girl. Now, the picture was not of Asha, but her parents did confirm that the other items were actually hers. Now, no one knows if this meant that Asha may have disposed of these items or dropped them along her way, or if someone else put those items there. Those are questions that we have yet to get answers to. The cops continued to search for Asha. They ended up committing about 900 man hours, doing a two to three mile radius search, and received about 300 tips of leads and possible sightings. However, nothing came from any of it. In February 2002, two years after Asha's disappearance, the FBI and North Carolina's State Bureau of Investigation got involved with the case, and they placed Asha on their missing persons list, even though they still weren't fully convinced that Asha was a missing person. The director of the North Carolina Center for Missing Person was quoted as saying, she doesn't fit any standard profile of a missing child, end quote. So the situation looked a lot more like a runaway situation. The only issue was they just couldn't make any sense of why she would leave her home. So that is why they ended up putting her on the missing person list because they just couldn't make any sense of it. That actually seemed to be the biggest question in this case. I mean, even if something did happen to Asha while she was out, 
It is certain that she packed a bag herself and she left out of that window. Why would she feel the need to leave her home? According to her mother, there was nothing. I mean, Asha had been pretty upset a few days prior to her disappearance, but Anquilla insisted that was nothing. Asha was the star point guard of her school basketball team. The team was great and they were undefeated up until the game that Saturday prior to Asha's disappearance. Not only did the team lose, but Asha, one of the best players on the team, again, remember she was the star point guard, she ended up falling out of the game. The entire team was upset and they were crying about it, but Asha did get through it. She got through it so much that she was able to get herself together and go to her brother's basketball game afterwards and she stayed and watched him play. According to Aquila, that was the only recent problem that she was aware of. And again, even that wasn't really a problem because Asha was fine. Like she didn't see that still being something that she was worried about. Asha's case received a lot of media attention. Again, this is a little nine-year-old black girl. Um, And so the good thing is that the media did pick up on this, but I will say that the family was a huge part. It wasn't that the media just picked up on the story on its own. The family made sure that Asha's name did not stop getting put out there. They did all kinds of radios and TV interviews, including the Montel Williams show. America's Most Wanted and the Oprah Winfrey show also did segments to raise awareness, but nothing seemed to come from them. The story wouldn't get its next lead until about a year and a half after her disappearance. During a construction project off Highway 18, about 300 miles from her last sighting, a backpack wrapped in plastic was found. This backpack had Asha's name and phone number on it. The police took the backpack for forensic testing, but the results of those tests have never been publicly released. They didn't even release the contents of the bag until the 20th anniversary of Asha's disappearance. The items were a Dr. Seuss book that was from Asha's school library. However, too much time had passed to determine if the book had actually been checked out to Asha or who it had been checked out to for that matter, but they don't believe that it was Asha's book. Also, the other item in the backpack was a New Kid on the Block concert tee, which her parents say also did not belong to her. In 2004, an inmate provided a tip to police that led them to dig around an intersection in Lawndale. They did find bones in that area, but once they tested the bones, they found that they were just animal remains. The family does all that they can still to continue to put Asha's name and face out there, to keep it out there, to keep the story open for people. In 2008, they started a scholarship fund established in Asha's name for a deserving student in the area. They also host an annual walk in her honor to help raise funds so they can continue their search efforts. The walk starts at her home and it ends along Highway 18, which is where she was last seen. Despite all of their efforts, though, the case still goes cold. In February 2015, the FBI announced that they were going to reopen the case. And along with that, there was a monetary award of $25,000 for anyone who had any information leading to um, her disappearance. A community group in the area also added an additional 20000 to that reward as well. About 15 months after the case was reopened, they got a lead that Asha may have been seen getting into a dark green early 1970 Lincoln Continental Mark IV or a Ford Thunderbird. They weren't exactly sure of the make and model, but both vehicles look very similar to each other. This possible sighting was along Highway 18 near where she was last seen, but as of now... Nothing has come from this. 
In September of 2017, the FBI announced that its child abduction rapid deployment team was in to assist the county with the investigation. The agencies meet up about a few times a month to go over the latest information and to compare notes. The latest information on the case as of now came in November of 2020. An inmate by the name of Marcus Mellon sent a letter over to the local newspaper admitting that he knows what happened to Asha. His letter said, quote, Asha Degree has been missing for over 20 years. About four months ago, I had found out where her whereabouts were and what happened to her. She was killed and then took and buried. I do know how and what town she is in. I hope you get this letter and you do come see me. It's on the up and up, end quote. His allegations are currently under investigation, but as of now, nothing from his statements has been able to be verified. To this day, there are more questions than answers. Asha's mom is still hoping that Asha will just walk through the front door any moment. There are so many different theories on what could have happened to Asha, but until there's proof of otherwise, Asha is believed to still be missing. I will say me personally, I feel like a part of the story that doesn't get as much attention is why she left the home in the first place. Where was she going to or what was she running from? This is such a tragic story with no closure at all. As a parent of a nine-year-old son, I couldn't even imagine waking up to get my son ready for school in the morning, going into his room. So again, his room is the place that I am able to provide comfort and safety to my child. If he is not safe anywhere else, I feel confident in being able to say that he is safe in my home. So therefore, you go into his room and he's gone. Like, I, I couldn't even imagine. So I I mean, this, this story is terrible and tragic all around and... I just pray and hope that this family gets the closure that they are searching for and answers. And I hope that we are able to figure out what happened to this beautiful baby girl. I will post photos of the evidence obtained so far on Instagram at seasoned crime. Thank you all for listening and make sure you come back next week to hear yet another story about a minority. This is my first ever episode of Seasoned Crime, so if you're still listening and you've gotten this far, just know I, from the bottom of my heart, I truly appreciate you. I do want to add another segment to the show, and I want that segment to be called It Takes a Village. It Takes a Village will highlight minorities just like the regular show, but we're adding in the good stuff too. This village is here to celebrate with you, and we're here in times of need, whatever you need from us. If you need a hug or a shout out, we got you. So whether it's a missing person, a graduation announcement, wrongful convictions, relationship advice, family secrets, birth announcements, anything you want to celebrate, anything you want to talk about, anything you need us to know about, we could all use some good table talk after the main course. If you have anything for us, send your email to seasonedcrime at gmail.com and Let us know whatever you feel like this village needs to know for you. Y'all have a great day. And once again, I truly appreciate you guys for listening. Thank you.